11 o'clock comics episode 122 Ooh, that was a good one it was was it yes mm-hmm. i'm gonna miss the boy this week Oh, you're spilling the beans right in the beginning. He spilled it in the last episode. He does that. Yes. Bean spiller. (laughs) The beans. Oh, I'm in a strange mood tonight. Very strange. Oh, jeez, David. What? You're supposed to be on my team. We are the tag team. We are the luchadors. It's not going to be one of those nights. It's not going to be like beat on Chris. That's Wait, is it always beat on Chris week? Yes, seriously. No, I'm bringing some Marvel up tonight. You all are going to love it. Hey, that's really weird because I have... Oh, that's right, because Atlas came out this week, right? Or last week. Um, I haven't haven't read it yet. I just have some nice Marvel stories, Uh, and uh, and God, am I in love with Thor: Mighty Adventure? Man, is that just? I mean, every once in a while, there's just a special book that comes out. That is a special book. Did you see that son of a bitch's Lone Wolf and Cub comic fart? Oh, so it's okay for you to call him son of a bitch now because you're such buddies with the guy. No, it's because it's because just like you say, there shouldn't be that much talent in one person. Honest to God, yeah. So, So yeah. So I mean, it's it's the most loving and and good natured son of a bitch I could muster. I think it, it, no malice at all, but that lone wolf and cub that, that that he posted on Comics for it was stunning. I think your That's, physical appearance should degrade in proportion to the <laughs> amount of talent that you have. So yeah, that's true. Look at Jack Kirby. Stop it, <laughs> David. Chris Somney should be a, a throbbing mass of gelatinous <laughs> like ooze ogre. with like eyebrows. Yeah, he's like Igor. But no, he's he's a he's a pretty sharp looking dude too, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. disgusting. With the little cap on and everything. Yes. Yeah. Sharp looking man. Sharp looking man. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's eleven o'clock comics, and Join. I am a really strange place, Vince B. Strange place. Well, you're yeah. still in Scranton, right? No, I don't live in Scranton. Wasn't that an image comic, Strange Place? Strange Embrace. Oh. Ah, I am uh, I am Christopher Neesman, and I am the reason that this here episode's coming out of daylight, so blame oh. me. Don't. That's right, see? And I'm uh, David Price. I was the reason to blame last week, and we're still trucking, even yep. without the boy. Yes. So next week, we probably figure Vince will be the reason why if we're late. No, or early. I'm, I'm the constant. I cannot be absent. No, you cannot. But we have had, we've all had to accommodate one another at, at various points. It's, it's not often where, where it's been consecutive weeks like this. Right. And thank you so much for putting up with this nonsense with us being delayed and having to wait a whole extra day. A whole extra day. Oh, dripping with sarcasm. <laughs> not, well, not for me. Never. No. It's no. summer. Go outside and play, people. And if you, you know, haven't, I, noticed, thanks for that. Thanks for that check that that keeps this going. So, <laughs> oh, I'm. If I'm the one that brings the upbeat, you guys are in trouble. <laughs> you, know, know, I, I, you know, I, I say it's summertime. Go out and play. You know, I know um, uh, Will Pfeiffer. Every time he sees me in the summertime, says that uh, he kind of mows his lawn on the eleven o'clock schedule. So, nice. so the, the the Pfeiffer grass is probably uh, a, 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 a a day higher than it should be. It's gone to seed. The Pfeiffer yep. grass is gone to seed. And if you haven't noticed by now, we are sans wood. We are limp this week. We have no wood. No wood. He, he's on assignment in, where do we always say, Umbopo? He's, he, 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 he's in Madripoor. 
looking for Patch. Yes, so he he won't be here. <laughs> he, he won't. I'm Bernie Madoff. No, you're not. You're you're particle board. You're the fake wood. Uh, so he's not here this week. That's good. Very very clever. I am clever. And this episode of this woodless episode is brought to you by, of course, by DCBService.com Discount Comic Book Service, where you can get all your funny books and collectibles at massive discounts, huge iceberg size discounts, anywhere from thirty-five to seventy-five percent off your favorite books. They take a special amount of books. Every Every month, and they spotlight them. They jack up the discounts, and you cannot say no. You can't walk away. I think the Hack Slash Omnibus, which was released Wednesday, the uh, uh, the subsequent printing of the Hack Slash Omnibus, that is the the image edition, right, was discounted fifty percent, fifty percent off, which means it was like sixteen dollars, seventeen bucks. It was ridiculously priced for a big chunk of comics like that, and that's that's just a tip. You, you will find many, many more discounts, similar discounts at Discount Comic Book Service. They named it correctly. DCBService.com. Hop on over. Tell them 11 o'clock sent you. Yep. yep. Oh, EOC8. Oh, yeah. If you're a first-time, Thomas Caters just pinged me. If you're a first-time uh, DCBS customer, enter this code in your little slot, EOC8. That's EOC8, and you will get an extra additional bonus 5% off your order, which will probably push you over like, say, 50, 55% off. It's nuts. Yeah, it's Insane. Sweet. It's beautiful. Right. Is, it, is, my, is my old buddy out there? Want yeah. To you want to get him? Yeah, let's bring him in. Come on. All right. We got a replacement. I miss, I miss him. What would you call this in baseball when, when you get like a, a pitch hitter? Well, it could, it, could, it could be a relief pitcher. It could be a pinch hitter. It could be a variety. But when it happens, well, 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 you know, to, to to stay with the uh, the the punny comments, we'll we'll call him for Formica. Formica, yeah, or oh. or laminate. I like yes. laminate. laminate. Laminate's good, but laminate's really wood. Sandwich though. board, okay. So that yeah, doesn't really fit. So yeah, Formica. Construction paper. No. Let's get him. Ladies and gentlemen, live on eleven o'clock comics. It's. Dun, dun, dun. It's not answering. It's nobody yet. Feel <laughs> <laughs> the excitement. This is dripping with drama. This is real, real is. podcasting, unedited, raw, like your baby backside. Yeah, He's just not picking up. Oh, well. <laughs> he was teasing you. Yeah, he maybe he went to get, or maybe he's struggling he's to get his headset. He, he said, went, oh, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. He said, give me a second. I need to grab my headphones. Okay. okay. While Thomas <laughs> while Thomas is getting his headphones, let's do the drink roll call. Let's do the drink roll call, and then we'll have uh, we'll have our, our not-so-mystery guest um, uh, join in in a sec. Uh, David, what are you um, sucking I on? What are you sucking on, I will David? be sucking on it. It's, uh, I, I tend to like the Australian wines, and, and I've had... I've I've had the the yellowtail and a little penguin and and I have not yet tried I don't believe Alice White so I am uh, sipping on the uh, their Shiraz from nice. uh, southeastern Australia. Their Shiraz, Shiraz, I love that stuff. Some good Shiraz from Australia. We need to get you on the the Oregon Pinot Noirs. Okay, Pino. I will look yeah. for those Oregon Pinots. Why oh, is it Pinot? No, no, would. no. Pe penal stuff is Australia. It's a penal colony. <laughs> it's true. Escape from Australia. Escape from, um, Vince, uh, 
I am Why? drinking. Oh, please lie if you have to this week. Is I that... am drinking a nutrient enhanced hydration beverage. It's Sobe Life Water. It's strawberry kiwi. All it's, right. it's got a lizard on the bottle. Mm-hmm. How could you not like it's got a lizard? Um, I need to take a picture of this bottle and send it to you because you would love the artwork on this. I've been, I've been, I've been holding off on on this one for almost a week now. You I just bought missed it for, me. For, you, I did not, you're you drinking can. water. You're you drinking water. But it's got the kiwi in it with the strawberry. You're drinking water. Does your drink have antioxidants? I don't think so. <laughs> yes, of course it does. It's beer. Yeah, <laughs> beer is good for you. Uh, uh, I'm on. I'm on my craft beer kick, and I'm going back to an old favorite. It, this is from uh, the Dogfish Head Brewery, and it is their Theo Brahma, and uh, uh, it comes in a big old beautiful pint bottle. And I really am going to have to take a picture of it and, and send it to you because the artwork on it is is uh, beautiful. Uh, please do. This, this is, um, I will read the description because they describe it much better than I can. Uh, Theo Brahma, or Food of the Gods, is a recreation of the premier chocolate beverage of the Americas. Yeah. Intended for only the gods, kings, and the elite, this liquid time capsule is based on the earliest chemical and archaeological evidence of cocoa in the New World, dating to before 1100 BC and enhanced by natural additives of the later Mayan and Aztec drinks. Now, you would you would think with that description that um, it's made with honey, cocoa nibs, cocoa powder, ancho chilies, and ground uh, anato. Um, that it would be a really dark beer. It is not. It is. Uh, it's a really beautiful uh, golden yellow to it. It's almost an. It really is an amber, and it is. Uh, it is delicious. It's got a lot of stuff going on. So it's a lot of a wow. lot of sweet, a lot of lot of cocoa flavors to it, a lot of honey. So it is. Uh, it's it's delicious, and it has some beautiful um, Aztecian inf- uh, uh, inspired art on it. So I have to send you a picture of it. Please do. It's yummy. Nice. Mm-hmm. Ah, so there you go. And it's uh oh, if you were interested, it's uh it's a nine percent uh, alcohol by volume. So <laughs> I just cut off Chris. I love it when I do Hello. that. Hi. Heavy gravity beers. Nice. Hi Tom. Hey, how's it going? Good. What are you drinking? Uh nothing right now. I just hopped on Skype. <sighs> Drink well, water. You caught me off guard. <laughs> you did. Did we catch you with your pants down? No, you didn't. I was. Uh, oh. We just finished dinner, so you. Uh, well, I can go grab a drink. I guess. I mean, oh, the- <laughs> there's alcohol in the house. <laughs> it's Thomas Stephen Caters, everybody, host of what? Tom versus the Flash, one-time host of Around Comics, that that small-time mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Of yes, Comics. anchor. Yeah. Well, exactly. he was the anchor, but in my he mind, was he was he was the host. He was the real the real reason to tune in. The, the real talent. Week. He was. The, we always called him the talent. Tom, <laughs> hi, buddy. How you doing? Hey, what's up? How are I you? Miss, I, I miss you. Even though I uh, I'm a little angry with you this week. Oh, you you <laughs> send you send me a text message that you have decided to uh, back my Cardinals for the rest of the year since your Brewers had gone well, down the freaking I mean, tubes. Since since. Since you did that, they have yeah. gone one and five. I will continue to um, uh, back the Cardinals. I, it takes to <laughs> torpedo your team is is my verbal support against I'm everyone you. except the Brewers. <laughs> I'm <Of course>. blaming <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. 
That's, that's wow. my luck. Yeah, it's good to hear from you, though. Good. Yeah, hello. I love Tom. I'm glad you're here. Yes. So, now, let's make with the comics. Yes. Should we uh, throw the ball to Mr. Caters, being that he's our go- our uh, special guest? Let him start the ball rolling. Uh, can I, yes, can Tom, I, what, what is your top, top, top of the stage? Oh. <laughs> I had to do it. Can I actually go grab a glass of water? You or go grab a glass of water. Going to allow me to actually go grab <laughs> As long as you came prepared. Go ahead. I'll get the ball rolling, okay? You get the ball rolling. I'll be All right. Hey, guys. This is Daryl Jr. I hate every last fucking book that came out this week. Peace. I'm going to do that rat-a-tat-tat uh, short and sweet thing that I did last week again because I burned you have, through you a... You have short and air quotes, right? Uh, sh- smell badly, scare children, and short, yes, uh, in air quotes. But uh, this company, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this company on the show, uh, at least not specifically. Uh, we may have mentioned them, but uh, specifically a book from them, I, I, I don't think I ever have. The editor-in-chief is Jim Salakrup. Okay. Uh, I they, think they, you have. Wait, now, I, there's a name. No, maybe not. Maybe not. We usually uh, see that name followed by a what, David? An exclamation point, right? Yeah. Back when Mr. Salakrup was uh, working at Marvel. Now, he's working, uh, helming, heading, steering the boat of a company called Paper Cuts with yep. a Z. Paper Cuts. Yep. And uh, I read the Smurfs. Wow. It's, it's a special dollar preview comic, and, and the reason why I bought this was because I have heard many things about the artist, Mr. Peo, P-E-Y-O or Peo. Uh, I've heard that he is to the Smurfs what Carl Barks is to Uncle Scrooge and the Ducks. He, oh. he, he is the, the artist that's uh, credited with bringing the Smurfs to popularity, and I did not know this, but the Smurfs have been around since 1958. Oh shit! Yeah, I, that's news to me really? because I I was uh, a teenager uh, towards twenty ish when the Smurfs got real popular and I dismissed the whole thing. But uh, I, I have been told by many people that Peo's art is something to behold. So it was a buck. I took a chance. What the hell? It it's the Smurf Napper. It's the very first uh, encounter between that Gargamel guy and the <laughs> Smurfs. And his cat Azrael. Right, and it started off pretty cool. Actually, really impressive. Uh, I thought, wow, this this is written like the Bark stuff, uh, far above the what I assume to be the target audience. Listen to this: Gargamel is trying to make uh, the Philosopher's Stone, and one of the key ingredients in the Philosopher's Stone is a thing called a Smurf, and he. He's never encountered a Smurf before. But the first dialogue balloon is huge. Listen to this. A potion for a philosopher's stone, which let which lets you transmute metals into gold. When the sun is under the sign of the ram and the moon under the sign of the bull, one must grind some mandrake roots and steep them in serpent venom. Add salt, sulfur, not the vulgar sort, but the philosopher's kind, as well as mercury, which will be purified as indicated here. Once the first sunbeams have warmed this liquid bring it to a boil over a fire of oak embers at that moment dissolve a small smurf in it and he's like smurf what the hell's a smurf i don't know what that is so i'm i'm digging this book i'm jones on it. it's really good until the little blue bastards come into it oh, now I, when i say the smurfs are crazy i don't mean like oh they're so funny they're wacky they're crazy they're certifiable they're, they're crazy because 
they use the word Smurf as a Smurf noun, word. as sure. a verb, as an adjective, an adverb. That it's even used as a pronoun. It sounds like you're unfamiliar thing. with the long-running cartoon. I am. It's insane. Any, insane. I mean, I mean, the story is okay. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the first encounter between Gargamel and the Smurfs, and it's brilliantly drawn. The action is amazing. The cartooning is delicious, but every friggin' page is littered with this Smurf. 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 Yes, yeah. and there's, no, it, there's it's a very, no. It's a very Smurf book. They're all there's, dudes. There's no consistency to it. Not Listen to this. Dudes. Meanwhile, at the Smurf Gargamel village, and he smurfed him into a cage, you say. Yes, Papa Smurf. And tomorrow he's going to smurf him in Serpent Smurf. Oh, my Smurfness. We have to smurf that poor Smurf before it's too late. Hurry, assemble the Smurfs. We're smurfing out right away. This is ridiculous. Do you, do you think the Papa Smurf was... Um Smurfing, Smurfette. I hope so. I think everybody. It's Smurfing. maddening. I could. I, I. I. It was all I could do to get through this story. Every page is the same thing. Smurf the Smurf and Smurfing Smurf Smurf. It's oh, please give it a break. But when you see the cartooning, it's really sharp, and and there is a lot of Carl Barks in here. Uh, the the settings and the action and the pacing. It's it's very Barksian, but I cannot endure the Smurfs again. I can't. How, how do you do with a uh, Bizarro speak? That's cool. Okay. <laughs> because it's at least it's inventive. It, there's a little there's a little bit of uh exploration. Yeah, yeah, you 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 can go and do some really clever and and wacky things. Just repeating the word smurf in a sentence is boring. It's it's annoying and and I I I can't do it anymore. I can't. It it's written by Y Delaporte and drawn by Peo and the cartooning is brilliant. It's beautiful, but unfortunately it will be my last exposure to the Smurfs because I just can't take that shit. I can't. That's you got, got smurfed by the Smurfs. It's too smurfing much. It's, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, but it was a dollar. I think I got it for like what, fifty cents at 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 DCBS. So it, it was it was worth it for the the nice cartooning, but never, 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 never again. Sorry, sorry, paper cuts. Smurf that up your big fat Smurf. The paper cuts. Do they do the 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 uh, Tales from the Crypt? Yeah, they did the remakes that you went yeah. through with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to ask you. How are you liking Brightest Day? I stopped reading it. Yes! Yes! Countdown for the new generation. Uh, uh, Yeah. Uh, No, it's... My only problem... My my, my problem with it is is that... um, Yeah, I really like Aquaman, and Mm -hmm. I I really like Martian Manhunter, and sometimes I really like Hawkman. Yeah. But I I feel a little bit like... um, Whereas the Flash book should have been sort of the template on what to do with these characters, you know, mm-hmm. just let them start doing something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and just tell a good Aquaman story or just tell a good Martian Manhunter story or just tell like a Hawkman story. It feels like we just are getting, especially Hawkman just dragged back to the same stuff that we've tried so hard to get away from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, just tell an Aquaman story, you know, like, and it's even more frustrating because the flash book is so exactly what they should have done with all those characters. It's just be like, okay, well, he's back. And you don't necessarily have to start dicking around right away with why they're there. I mean, you can get to it, you can... But people will be forgiving if you write an entertaining story with good art. You know, people will wait to see what... They'll wait to see what happens. I mean, because it's just... it's 
it's the, we kind of understand the mechanics of how it works. You know, we're, sure. we know that in the first issue, we're not going to find out exactly why all the characters that come back, but you need to start having them do things, do things, yeah. you know? And like, I, like, oh, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that this is probably going to read much, much better in large chunks. It's, it, it it's, the same kind of storytelling devices that it goes back to 52 and then, you know, countdown and, but uh, and here's my question. You're getting little bits each, each. Yeah. I only read the first three, but mm-hmm. Tom, Chris, for those among us who are reading it consistently, do you get the feeling that there's an overall game plan like 52 or do oh, yeah. you, yeah. is, is there, are there traces of the countdown? We don't know what the hell we're going to do next. No, no, it, it seems a lot more focused. And I think this is, um, I think this is as much Tomasi's ball as it is, uh, John's. And I, th- I think that they really are working towards, um, you know, one cohesive story. It, it doesn't feel like it, it does, it does feel like it has like a spine to it. And it, it, it's very much a mystery. Um, I think there's a few too many moving parts with it, and that's why I think it'll work better in in, in large chunks. But from a from a, a twice a month standpoint, I don't know if you get quite enough story to really want to come back each time. It, mm. I I have to say the art is pretty solid. Oh yeah, for being yeah. multiple artists on it, I, I, and the, and Chris is right. I mean the twice a month thing you know when you get an issue and i'm like oh god it's just it's hawkman like every hawkman story is about hawkman's history you know and that's like the one thing that whenever you write hawkman you should just avoid don't bother don't bother it doesn't matter it's confusing it's quicksand it's eventually gonna drag you down yeah just just write a hawkman story isn't the the point of this to reinvigorate these characters you don't want to go backwards with hawkman that's what. Oh. That's the more yeah. the more aspect that that got them all tangled in the first place. Yeah, I I am like I'm I am liking the dead man stuff. It is neat to see Boston Brand in in a way that you haven't really ever seen him. It's. Yeah, uh, I, I will say that's probably one of the stronger elements because it's the one element um, where I really feel the strong sense of like let's have dead men do do stuff and put him sort of in new situations. And have you know? It's I, I feel especially bad about the Aquaman part because I was kind of excited to have Aquaman back, but I'm kind of I'm like, ah, oh, it's. Then I remembered why Aquaman tanks. You know? <laughs> it, very it, nice, very nice, know? Tom. Yeah. Because it's it's <laughs> you know, oh, here's this alternate dimension of people who want to assassinate you know the king of Atlantis, and it's like just have Aquaman do what you're doing in the Flash. You know what? Why has the Flash been good? Because you had a good artist, and you have the Flash running around at super speed. Uh, you know, some character moments, some cool scenes, and him. You know, not not to say that it's like a dumb action comic, but it feels like you aren't mired in all the stuff that has happened in the past, which is quite amazing. But Aquaman and all those characters in Bryce State feels like the opposite. It feels like, oh God, you know. Martian Manhunter, you know, oh, there was somebody else there when Dr. Earlman brought him back. It's like, who even remembered that there was a doctor that brought him back? Wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if they embraced the Silver Age kind of tone and just threw caution to the wind and just did all those wacky-ass concepts and and storylines just 
get as crazy as, as they possibly can. I mean, what do they have to lose? Nobody yeah, I, really. I don't. I shouldn't say that. The, these characters don't have huge fan bases to begin with, so take a chance. I mean, it, and that's what I think the Flash has done. Yeah. I mean, the concept of the you know the reverse Flash is from the future, so the Rogues in the future are good guys who have been put together to stop the reverse flash you know that's that's the the most simplest kid like silver age type story but it works because you have you know competent writers and artists you know who are focused on playing with those concepts but i mean i'm just, there's people that probably love brightest day i just i i was i couldn't commit to buying it twice a month mm-hmm. the yeah, covers are, like, are gorgeous finch are. is doing a great job on the covers yeah. I I am by the way still enjoying it, but I'm kind of letting them stack up. I I read like four issues. I hadn't read it in in a month or so, and I read four issues uh, the the last four issues. And as I was going through them, it's like you know what? I'm glad I did this. I'm I feel like I'm getting more story because more and more the older I get, and this noggin just becomes more sieve like it's hard for me to remember stuff from month to month or even oh, week to week so um, i'm surprised yeah. you get to work <laughs> i'm surprised hey, you remember what's going on most of the time yeah. i hope they don't it's an act. <laughs> yeah. i just hope they don't smurf it up you know what i mean <laughs> stop but wh- well, while we're on the subject tom yeah yes i was thinking of you because yep. Over the the weekend, I read a nice chunk of One Piece. Are you familiar with One Piece? I've heard you talk about it. I haven't gotten yeah. it yet. It, it is so Silver Age, it would make you swoon. And and as I'm, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if mainstream superhero comics were as wacky as One Piece? Th- there's a battle in, in this one storyline. Uh, Luffy escapes pri- uh, this prison. I won't go into specifics because it's really late in the story and to get there requires reading like 40 volumes. But anyway, it, it, it's late in the story. He, he's going to rescue his brother who is uh, scheduled to be killed in three hours and there's this huge battle in this bay. Okay, that's all you need to know. There, There's a guy, his name is Whitebeard. He punches the air and and his his punch has such a force to it he shatters the air and causes a tsunami two tsunamis in the in the middle of this battle one guy takes all the water kicked up by the tsunami and freezes it so you have a city-sized iceberg and he flings it at somebody and the guy he flings it at turns his fist in the lava and punches the iceberg in the air creating you know lava water flying all over the place why can't the mainstream DC and Marvel stuff be as crazy as that. That would because, be so cool. Because all the physics of DC and Marvel were figured out in the 60s. And that's what Bre- everyone accepts. Everyone accepts. Break them. Break the rules. Yeah, I know. But I'm talking about why the why fandom. I mean, it's because fandom. When people would, people would freak out. People would complain. Because the physics of those universes, like... <laughs> We accept Superman flies because Superman's always flown. You know, that mm-hmm. there's no, you don't really need to. I mean, I know Burn kind of have an explanation for it, but it's kind of unnecessary. You know, like people, you just accept that Superman flies. But if you add something else onto it, or you have, um, you know, mutants exist. Why? Because they do. You know, and those rules have been mm-hmm. established. So when if someone were to come in and be like, oh well, you know, we. Uh, we're going to add this new sort of wrinkle onto it. People would freak out. You know, because there's so much time spent in the 80s 
explaining everything. Like, right. Maybe we praise. shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should stop explaining stuff. I mean, it was what? like the thing where it's like Bar- Wally can't go as fast as Barry, and I always thought like, I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of more realistic, but I mean, I don't know. It's kind of also, you know, more boring. You know, yeah. like I know writers say that it would be easier to come up with challenges for him, but I, I think that's lazy. I mean, I Wouldn't think. It, how about if if uh, what if Wally could run so fast he could pinch his own ass? That would be fun to see that. Would be, oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what I'm, story where that happened. <laughs> Why can't we see the Hulk pick up like Denmark and fling it at somebody? Just craziness. Uh, let the mutant gene be uh, an airborne virus for a couple of weeks just to beef up the mutant population again. Just wacky, off-the-wall stuff. That was Tom's kind of right. Like, People would freak out. I, because, they would, but but it would be so exciting just because you would never know what's next. It's like you know what in, I mean? Um, the the Hulk sweat and, and that, <laughs> that whole thing from Planet Hulk when the Hulk bled on, on Sakaar and he made plants. Let him sweat on Earth and make little baby Hulks or something. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I'd like it. I, like I, Lobo. Like Lobo. Yeah, more Lobo. It's that in the it's like the way the way people think about this stuff. It's in the eighties and when it became more part of the conventional sense to try and explain everything. It was like these explorers went off to a faraway land and they were like, we found a world of like more serious comics, and everyone wanted to move there and stay there forever. You know, never like instead of being like, oh, it's a vacation. You know, like oh, we can take a little trip to Watchmen. Or, like, take a trip to the Dark Knight. Everyone decided they wanted to move there and stay there forever and not, never go back to where they I want to go home. I, 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 wanna, I, think, I, I, think that, I think that Tom always wants Superman to have, like, a lion head. That's, right! That's how I, yeah, I want there a possibility. I want there to be a possibility that he might have an ant set at any given second. It, it, I mean, not, not that I think all comics should be one sort of way but i think there is sort of a homogenous quality to marvel and dc where mm-hmm. yeah. it should yep. be a little bit more bizarro it's, should have a vagina yeah he should bizarre vagina yes <laughs> or a haunted vagina no no uh, that, that that's yeah. creepy just you know, a vagina yeah you, know, you, 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 you think about how crazy kirby was and you know i'm looking at, at uh, uh uh the celest the second celestial edition for godland came out and it just it makes me realize that that being an homage for everything that's kirby and it's whacked out and crazy mm-hmm. and and i love how inventive that that series is i mean would kirby even have a place in today's comics with with how outlandishly creative he was let me rephrase that would he have a place at marvel or dc today dc yes well, I don't know. See, that's a really tough question to answer because... Well, they let the, Morrison the, do all this stuff. The, when you talk about the comics today, would it be here if it wasn't for Jack? Yeah. So that's I mean, like, that's I mean, like saying, you know, if, if whatever created this Earth didn't do something, would we be able to do this? I don't, it's, it, I don't know. I, I would hope, right? Because I, I think if anybody could re-inject the fun into comics, it would be Kirby. Yeah. Or, well, I know. Would would he be allowed to at this point? You know, he w- he uh, wouldn't care. He would just do it. <laughs> yeah, he would he just must do. Uh, yeah, 
Speaking of um, sort of outlandishness, um, comic that I was thinking about what I should talk about as far as an actual comic goes, and um, The Weird World of Jack Staff. Yes. Which I just read today, issue number four came out yesterday. Such a good series. I went to the comic store just to get it. And uh, because I forget, I, it has been late, so I didn't order it through DCBS when it was solicited. And I, I read that, and I was like, ah, you know, that book defies sort of, I think, when I think of in my head how the sort of comic book fan that sort of drives me crazy would talk about Jack Staff, it makes me crazy at this imaginary person. Because <laughs> I know people would complain that it's not linear. You know, like he it jumps around. Like yeah, and that's the very thing that that made me laugh about that series was Paul Grist relaunched Jack Staff, and with the hopes of you know you get a new number one and a new a lot of new eyes on the book because of the fact that it's it's a new number one and it's as steeped in continuity and a tangled mess as it's always been, even more so with this this jumping around stuff. Oh, I mean, that, it, it kind of defeats brilliant. the. Per- yeah, but I mean, why relaunch it again? I it it's it's why not? It's funny. It's funny because I I would think that the the purpose of a new number one is to pave the way for new readers, and this is the most new reader unfriendly book that I've seen in a long time. It's it's in and it's, of itself, like as like little units of reading, mm-hmm. it, they're like fascinating, sort of really cool ways to divide up twenty two pages. But if you've never read a comic before, or you're not sort of, you're not good at foreshadowing, uh, you could you could be left in the dust. You could yeah. be like, I don't understand why he's telling it this way, because he's gotten so good at dividing things up into those little three pages. You know, all of a sudden yeah. you're back at a beginning, you're back at a different time period. But he's gotten so good at foreshadowing within those little divisions that you kind of he plays around with your expectations, even within like the framing of the book but it's it, it is tangled it's an extremely tangled book yeah. that's told in, in just a very non-linear way but i love it so much i love the art and i've always loved paul gris yeah, paul gris is awesome and he, he's the the toth torch bearer oh it's great i mean he, I, he he's come so close to alex toth in in his i mean his line is so elegant and so simple at the same time one of my favorite things is in the first uh, collected trade of all the black and white stuff. There's a panel of just a car at night, and all it is is the two white squares of yeah. the uh, of the headlights, and that's it. But you know what it is mm-hmm. because he's so good at uh, telling the story. But I was reading it today, and I was like, I wish more people would really like Jack Staff. But it's one of those books I feel is always going to be doomed to be beloved by you know a few people, but ultimately yeah. missed. A cafeteria yeah. full of people. Yeah, but yeah. that's okay because you know. It's it's very uh, very Bean World in in uh, in like Vince's love of Bean World and um, it reminds me of something that um, uh, actually uh, Larson um, said about about Savage Dragon you know something along the lines of um, if Savage Dragon was canceled tomorrow ninety nine percent of of comic book readers um, could care less but one percent of them couldn't care more. We'd commit suicide. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that says a lot about uh, about a lot of comics out there. You know, it's like you know, Queen and Country. Eventually, it will come out again. Um, but you know, I look at that book, you know, in the same way. It's like, it's it's just one that that really, you know, 
I couldn't I couldn't care more about that book. I mean, yeah. seriously. You um, keep saying it's going to come out, Chris. Is it, you know, actually, um, um, uh, for all of the uh, the previews readers out there, um, Greg's next novel is actually available for pre-order in previews for all of our DCBS um, folks, and it is the next Queen and Country novel. So the next Queen and Country stuff is called uh, The Last Run, and it is, uh, it's the next novel in the series. After that is done, I hear that, they, that we might see some, uh, some more comics, but I'm, I'm totally jazzed about the new novel. It's one I've been looking forward to for a long time. Well, Are you going to get it? On the Kindle? Oh yeah, you think? No, I no, I will. I will get. I will get a hardcover to go with all of my other Queen and Country crap around here. Multiple <gasps> versions. Will you actually open it, or will it be too precious? I might have to buy two copies. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, I, I may. I may buy the hardcover just to get it signed, and then get the Kindle version. I'm surprised that you let Greg write it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being locked up in your house, I would, I would think that you'd be scared. There's well, going to be like misery. You can only write the Queen and Country book. Chained to the typewriter. <laughs> What's with all the curse words? Uh, well, yeah, you, you know, got out of a duty office. The 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 cobbling was a little difficult, but you know, we got through it. And uh, he's adjusted to the wheelchair. It's all good. Strange that the first yeah. chapter is called "I'm in Chris Neesman's basement." <laughs> yeah, if you, if you, the first, the first letters from every every paragraph right out. This is his address. It's like the Bible code. There you go. <laughs> Save me. You see, he uh, he just wrote uh, a uh, an episode of Leverage. If anybody out there watches Leverage, it's Leverage uh, I was, is great. I, it, yeah. it was. Recently on, or it's coming up. No, no, I think he they were they were just shooting it. I think so. Okay, he, well, he they, tweet, the, tweet, the third tweet. season wrapped up, and they have been uh, renewed for a fourth season. So I can't wait for. I mean, we're still going on the third season. It's only been a few episodes, so the third season isn't over yet. It recently wrapped, so that might have been he might have been writing the finale for all I know. But uh, yeah. but I'm, at least I'm not for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, David and, knows. And, and Marta was just poking her head into the comic room. Hi, Marta. So. Saying that she loves leverage, so it's something leverage that she's is awesome. Looking forward. Oh, I love leverage. It's great. Tell her it's a dude really. show. It should be. It really. <laughs> it's, it's it's one of the few. It's it's one of the few TV shows that would work really well as a comic book. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. David, you're reading my my little pin sized mind. I was I I've recently bought the second season of Dexter. I watch it in Ooh. on D, on DVD. There is a, a series that would make a brilliant comic book in the right hands. Dexter. Why are there no Dexter comics? There, there kind, there kind of was an unauthorized Dexter short that. Who, who did that? Um, you guys remember when Seely did like a? It was a what a hack slash Dexter crossover. No was, way. It, it, yeah, you think it was, that's it was, in the omnibus. Like, no, 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 no. It was never published. Was it really? Um, oh, well, oh, it okay. Was, it was. It was like this. I have to find it. It was online, and it was like. One maybe two pages, and it was it was it was Cassie. It may have been three. It may have been like a a a, a three crossover thing. But I know it was like Cassie hunting down Dexter. It was awesome. Oh, but he Dexter's good though. Why would she hunt him? Because he's a serial he's killer, dude. Serial killer. No, 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 no. He's 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 a asset to, so, a, asset to society. That's what Dexter is. That doesn't. You can label it anything you want, but <laughs> the, the actual term is still what it is. Man. You can, Michael you Hall, can he is it fan, up all you want. He's he really fantastic. Does. He's a hell of a lot. I mean, I he's I loved him in Six Feet Under, 
and I, oh. I have yet to see Dexter. My father gets the DVD sets. So oh, it, it's maybe the second season. I know the fourth season. I want to watch because uh, John. <laughs> Don't say anything. I'm not. I'm going by the commercials, dude. All the commercials. All right. Are and you know, you know what kills me? I'm I'm browsing the, the the aisles in Best Buy, and I see the the front of the Dexter season three, and there's a friggin' baby with them on it. Why do they do that? I don't want to know that. Don't show me the baby. Now I know something's gonna happen. Have you read you know? any of the novels? No, I heard the they're, I heard they're okay. really good. Yeah. yeah. And David, it's one of those shows that I can't tell you. Plot point one without ruining anything for you, because by the second season things start to mesh and and oh, it's great. Yeah, I love Julie Benz in it. She's so good. Mm. Yeah, she's she's great in everything. The uh, when you say now when I I don't know if how to compare the two, and when I say that that leverage will work great as a comic, I just mean that there are so many stories that they could tell where it's not going to like you can't. There are some TV shows that are just so are I don't know if you could really. I don't watch Fringe, but I know that that the stories are, from what I can tell, that things connect from one episode to the next, and and it's a and it's a tight story, and and they're going from point A to point B. Yeah. Would I don't know if a comic book story would fit like in between episodes, or or would be able you'd be able to kind of tell more stories with these characters because of 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 the path that they're on in the TV show. Yeah. Leverage the Fringe, Fringe kind of gets like X Files though. In a, sometimes you get the side stories once in a while, but it always okay. comes back to All that right. main narrative. You can yeah, you can do little. little I mean, I know nobody on Leverage thing. is ever going. to... I mean, if they ever strayed outside of of television, you know, they could have a cliffhanger and and Elliot. It's not going to perish, and nothing's ever going to happen to Parker. But I mean, somebody—they'd have to stay true to the characters on on the show. All but right. I mean, if, if Dexter kind of, you know, here, here's an episode that takes place, you know, a couple of weeks later. If if not, if there's no to be continued in a sense, then then I can definitely see a, a comic book or another serial presentation filling in any any gaps or, or just like Tales of the Dark Knight. Oh yeah, or I mean, yeah. Yeah. Do, do, you know, yeah. do, Doctor Who comics. You know, any yeah. anything that you can, you know, kind of, you know, push some some stories. You know, walk well, you would, in you between, would in between think the ID, IDW would have a handle on Dexter. I mean, they they license friggin' yeah. things that wow, I would never think like yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, and and uh, they're doing these MGM comics like It, The Terror from Beyond Space, which is surprisingly good. Yeah. They bring us some Dexter. Come on, make with the Dexter. Do it. Do well, it. Since, and anyway, since, since you brought up Salakrup, I, I Salakrup, and and then and then we were talking about how things can be, how we need to know the science. Like Jeff Parker will write an Atlas comic, and and it could be it's so far out there the way you have Gorilla Man and M Eleven just hanging out next to each other, and a dude from outer space, and he makes it work. And and if you wrote any science to make this all believable, you would believe it. Here is a here, here's a comic book written by Tom DeFalco. Yay! And it is a uh, it's a four part story. Tom DeFalco, is, four yeah, part story, four part story. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a uh, <laughs> it's it's somewhat of a spy thriller. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. It is called The Man from Riverdale. Oh, we're going Archie. We're going Archie. The first, the first part is called uh, the blackest and bluest day, but it's a, um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a story featuring 
Archie, but um, you already know where it's going because we're introduced to Archie's cousin Andy, who's kind of a better looking Archie, but looks just like Archie. What? He may not have like the rounded off nose. He's <laughs> just got a little more rugged features, but he's got he's got the he's a redhead or an orange head, and, and he's got the, the cross hatches along the he's side. He's got the checkerboard. So he nice, does. and it's and so he just. You know that the mistaken identity is going to happen, uh, but it's, a, uh, it's when I say that they don't explain anything. When Archie finds out that his his cousin is a spy for for a a, a super secret organization known as um, Pop Protect Our Planet, oh uh, and 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 already you know something's going to happen with Pop at Soda Shop. There's a code in this somewhere. There, there's there are so many acronyms and 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 uh, Pop's arch enemy is Crush, which stands for Criminal Recruits United to Spread Havoc. Uh, cool. But when I say that that you, they're not going to bother explaining anything to you, when when Andy tells Archie that he cannot follow him into he's already followed him in, into the secret headquarters but there's a there's an urgent message that andy has to to respond to so he says you wait here while i'll go check out what this message is and i was just like oh no there's no way you're leaving me behind and then andy's basically like okay but you can't repeat anything you hear it's like wait you just told him it's the utmost importance that he does not listen to this he's not authorized he's not he's not cleared for any of this but okay yeah all right well you're tugging on my coat so come on in and, and listen anyway and there is an awesome panel where there are a couple of homages throughout this issue, but there is one in particular that is a um, that everybody who knows it will immediately recognize it as Archie walks away from a garbage can full of clothes. Oh man, really? <laughs> it really is. But it's it's uh, it's a it's four part story. There's a uh, the 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 ultimate bad guy, which is a uh, doctor. Uh, Doctor. Um, Feel good. No, you wish. No, wait. It was um. See, it was so weird. It was uh, the Mad Doctor Doom, who looks like someone at a Scooby Doo, actually. But apparently, there's, there's there's some continuity because Andy asks if Archie knows him, and he says our cross often passed when uh, our paths often crossed. <laughs> wine. Our paths often crossed when when. Uh, when I was younger, so I guess he's throwing in some some continuity for anybody that's been reading beyond the 610th issue. The uh, wait, 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 Archie's on 610. Archie's on 610. Did they read oh, the 600? <laughs> 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 in the 90s, I think it went back to 100. Uh, there's you know, you got, number one. There's a. Um, <laughs> you got to give you got to give Archie Comics credit. They they are they're a haven. For the old timers these days, DeFalco, John like Workman. DeFalco's even like done. I mean, it, and well, Austin and Bryfogle, but it's not. Yeah. Well, and I got, I got a little beef with, with after this, but the um, wow. the the Mad Doctor has uh, is is creating a, a formula to turn any subject into the Walking Dazed, and and, <laughs> uh, and it's just yeah, you know, he wants he. he you know, of course, it's corny. It's it's just it's, it's fun. It, it is fun. It's something different. It's uh, you know, we're we're fans of Archie in this house. The art is is fantastic, and as as Chris pointed out on the free comic book day, the inks are still by 
Rich Kozlowski. Uh, the pencils for this one is uh, Fernando Ruiz. The um, the lettering is is kind of on on the large side. So if if you have been reading Archie for all 610 issues, if your eyes are deteriorating, you'll be able to read this with no problem. <laughs> the uh, the that is 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 the good. I'm I'm still digging on Archie. What is not so great is um, and I should have realized it when I saw that. It said not final cover in previews, but we've um, we ordered. I think the first couple. Of, when I say, well, I mean, Renee and I have ordered the first couple of issues of uh, Archie: The Married Life, which is basically sp- spins off from the uh, the saga of, of when he married Veronica and then Snow and married Betty. And he, um, it's a, it, I want to say it's a split comic, but really, it's a magazine. And and I wasn't thrilled with that. Maybe I missed it in the solicit. But I didn't know we were ordering a magazine. It's magazine size. On the cover, you have beautiful Bryfogle illustrations of, of Archie with, with Betty and with Veronica. But then it looks like Tiger Beat, where you have like the dude who plays Jacob in, in, in the Twilight Saga. There's a little article about him. There's, there's some stuff about um, the Justin was saying Bieber, Biber. I, you know, it's just now it's all of a sudden it's like it, it's now for like teenage or preteen girls and i don't at no point did i know that that's what i was getting when i ordered it wasn't that really the target audience of archie these it's always been right it's been the female readers no but i don't know why i'm being thrown into other avenues of of or the the buyer is is getting tossed into other avenues of pop culture. I don't care about the characters of Twilight if I'm reading Archie. I mean, that's, right. that's, they but, but, want to cross pollinate or they want to attract be hip, other though. people. Right. I mean, if, 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 hey, if you, re- if you like the Twilight movies, then check this out. We have an article on, on, on Lautner, but then here's, you know, here's an Archie comic inside and that's cool and all. I just wish I knew that when yeah. I was ordering. Yeah. Do you think Moose is Team Edward or Team Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's smart. It's Team Jacob. It's but. really sad that I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> and Justin I Bieber is totally know. Reggie. I mean, come on. <laughs> he wouldn't be. He's, he's not. He's not. Uh, Diller. Dilbert. Reggie died. No. God. Oh. Oh God. No. Who was the nerd? Was it Dilbert? Oh. Dilbert? Dil- Dilbert Doyle, right? Or what? Was that his name? Was yeah. it Dilbert? Okay. Well, I think so. I can't wait until Bendis and John's are writing uh, Archie. <laughs> another yeah, 20 another years. 30, 40 years, yeah. <laughs> I said 20. Brubaker <laughs> for years has said that, uh, and I don't know if he's joking or not, but he says that um, he wants to get to the point where he can re- retire and write Jughead stories. That'd be cool. There's, I would totally read a Brubaker Jughead Absolutely. Story. Wouldn't that and be awesome? <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's an ad for a uh, in Jughead 202 where a woman is, is, is talking to Pop, saying that she's looking for a semi-private eye Jughead Jones. She needs his help, and, and it says uh, the story is called uh, The Thin Malted Man. And I I love the Thin Man movies, and uh, once once I saw that reference, it made me want to get it. But sadly, I don't think I'm... Uh Jughead isn't on my pull list, but I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna keep uh, I'm gonna keep Archie going at least to finish off the Man from Riverdale storyline. But cool. uh, I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to getting the uh, the hardcover with the whole um, yeah. Uh, we, right. yeah we yeah. have we we have the issues we fucking tripled it we have the issues I bought her the the trade paperback and and then I saw the slipcase thanks that Vince mentioned it and I showed it die cut. It will be the first Archie comic that I've ever owned. Wow. What? Wow. Yeah. I have a friend 
who still who not doesn't read comics all but he well i shouldn't say that because he reads archie and when he was a kid he used to shoplift archies from the grocery store <laughs> and he is pretty much a real life jughead like imagine if jughead if jughead well no but i mean uh, like if jughead went to college and then graduated from college then he's jughead I don't think he shoplifts him anymore. I should ask him. But. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow. So if you're into comic book typed homages or parodies, there's a cool one in oh. in the last issue of The Simpsons, 168. Oh, and, I, and I have another one for you. Don't let me forget after this. There's a, It's called Between a Ragnarok and a Hard Place. <laughs> oh, that's well. Now, is it the JSA Ragnarok? Is it the no, it's Thor. It's Thor. Oh, okay. um, Nelson is Thor. And he has a speech impediment. Oh, and Bart is Loki. Uh, and he tricks Nelson into letting him go. P- uh, Principal Skinner's Odin. Oh, God. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, the, uh, um, the what's the, the world serpent's name? Oh. Well, anyway, it's Snake. That's funny. Yeah, and, and, and it's fitting, you know. Um, is Lisa Jane Foster? Lisa is, no, no, Lisa's not Jane Foster. Uh, I won't say who Lisa is, but uh, it's pretty cool. And in the same issue, you get a little retelling of the the Krypton saga. And uh, Homer is home R, and he's telling everybody, you know, we got to get off this planet because it's going to freaking blow. And uh, they put um, the baby in the rocket ship, which has been, it's outlawed because the only thing they use rocket ships for on this planet is to shoot their garbage off. And uh, the baby is found by Flanders and his wife and raised, you know, to be Superboy. But they never say Superboy, of course. Of course. Yes. Um, for a while, DC could even say Superboy. So. Yeah, but it's pretty funny. I mean, Simpsons, it's always good, uh, and it's relatively cheap, two ninety nine from Bongo. And, yeah, hey, if you like comics and you like uh, The Simpsons, there's no reason not to read this. Absolutely. And S- Chris told me to read something, and I did. What was that? You gave me, me, well, I read that, but you gave me a little um, extracurricular work last week. Yes, Uh he did. I read Lock and Key. Oh, did you read, how, how, okay, now that's exactly the book I was going to talk about. How far along are you? I only read Welcome to uh, Lovecraft. Okay. Well, before you tell me how awesome that is, okay, the latest issue of Lock and Key, which is the beginning of the fourth miniseries, because they're broken into into these you know books, I guess, and probably about half of the issue is this amazing uh, Bill Watterson, Calvin and Hobbes wow. homage. Really? Where yeah, where Bodie, um, who's the youngest of the um, um, uh, uh, of the of the, the kids, he um, he finds a key that allows him to um, take animal form, and Ooh. he becomes and he becomes a sparrow. But every scene with Bodie is done as as if it were a Calvin and Hobbes strip, and oh, it, awesome. it is and- so so dead on and so perfect, and it's just this. The, the innocence that that character has is is so very Calvin and it just it, it fits the tone of this and then you have the backdrop of the really um, horrific sinister stuff that's going on and it's just it's just balanced so well with with the uh, the, the 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 king 
um, style um, horror and and suspense and this wonderful childhood innocence of of the you know the this Bill Watterson homage. It's really really good. What's the uh, title of this arc? The latest arc. Oh gosh, it was um, the last one was the um, uh, the Crown of Shadows. Let me find it. It is right over here. Uh, the new arc is called Keys to the Kingdom, ah. and uh, yeah, and they even um, you know at the very end they have a they have a nice little uh, um, Bill Watterson you know um, uh, to Bill Watterson. It's it's um, it's dedicated to. And uh, yeah, it's it's it was so well done. I I, I think it's something that uh, uh, no one taught. Tom, Tom, are you still reading Lock and Key? Have you kept up with it? Never. I, I never read it in the first place, Chris. Really? Oh, you sad. never told me. To. You never told me to. Yeah, I haven't talked about to... this. I haven't I'll talked get... about this book nearly enough. Uh, I sort of, you know, filter it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. All right. So so Vince, tell. I'll get uh, to it. I'll get to it. Um. Uh. Welcome to Lovecraft. How did you like it? It's it's really rare that you encounter a book that the entire creative team is working in sync. Mm-hmm. Where you if you changed the uh, narrative style of this book, it wouldn't work as well. And if you change the art, if if Gabriel Rodriguez did not do this book, no, I mean, I didn't recognize that fact in the first issue, but by the time I finished it, I just took a step back and said, you know, I don't think I'd want to see this drawn by anybody else. And I tell you what, Jay Photos um, doesn't get nearly enough credit because the coloring on this book throughout is, it it becomes, you know, it it creates another another person in the room. With, with, With Rodriguez's art, Photos's coloring is so, so, um, important to to the feel of this book mm-hmm. I, I was very impressed that um uh joe hill maps out everything i mean there's nothing left to there's nothing to question you you know why uh rendell was murdered you, you know the motivations of of what was his name sam the the, the mm-hmm. whack job, the the Pleasure. mother. You you know why the mother drinks. You know why the mother's the way she is. Tyler has huge uh, guilt, and uh, the 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 sister Kinsey. I mean, everything mm-hmm. is mapped out in this, and it's not to the point where there's no surprises. There's a lot of surprises. It's just that he seems to have asked himself, now why would this character do this? What what's this character's reason for doing this? And he gives them. A, a a rock solid believable reason for acting the way they do, and and Bodie is just he's a kid. The the, the expressions Bodie's on great. his on his face when he's like talking about farts or when he's scared, it's just I I can see those expressions in in my own son, and it's mm-hmm. I thought it was really well done and yeah. rife with possibilities. There's so much they can do with this, oh. and and I usually don't appreciate stories that leave uh, the little dangly bits at the end. Like when you go to see a movie and there's obviously an eye towards a sequel, that kind of turns me off. And there's some of that in here where they've left to, pun intended, they've left a door open for future stories. But no, it's it's perfect. There's so, And I think the reason why they did that is because there's so much uh, possibilities in uh, the, the house is just, uh, every door could lead to a different adventure. It's fantastic. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as as more keys become revealed and, and each key does something completely different and it can be um, something, you know, really, you know, magical and really wonderful or something absolutely frightening and mm-hmm. a lot of it depends on on whose hands these keys fall into and and it kind of turns into this uh kind of diabolical scavenger hunt that uh um by the by now the the fourth uh, the fourth book in the series is kind of this it, it's not it's not really this out and out race to to find the keys but both sides are kind of starting to accumulate them and and each key kind of gives them a, a certain advantage in in different things and uh yeah it's it's that that part of it is is pretty cool but um if there wasn't good character development if you didn't care about these characters and and become you know vested in in what goes on with with this family it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. and and joe hill has done a, a pretty amazing job of um you know, from the beginning, it surprised me how much he understood the comic book format because this could very easily just be a movie pitch. But he gets comics, and not every not every novelist, not every screenwriter um, seems seems to have that that understanding, and not just to be able to to tell comic books and you know comic book stories in that um, in that formula, but to actually be able to use the medium. In, in ways that only comic book writers are are aware of. I mean, you can you can write a great you know um, a great pitch and think of it as storyboards, but they they use the medium and and they um, they allow the the comic book medium to um, enhance the stories. And yeah. that's you know that is what you know showed me it's like this this isn't just a writer this guy is a comic book fan who's writing a comic book well for nothing what, else to write a comic book well what was the name of tyler's uh high school oh gosh no you're taking Ro- I, I, william gaines william gaines high school oh <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. yeah and uh the the thing that creeped me out was the rendering of the uh the well house mm-hmm. while while he's looking at it in the guidance counselor's office and you see from in the barred window the mm-hmm. well let's just say the character forms that is creepy ass shit yeah. and and hill doesn't pull any punches and there's a lot of disgusting stuff in this i mean there's it's brutal it's, kni- it's brutal knives view. to the eye and shotguns to the heads and and blowjobs in 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 trucks and it's just what na- <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> scarred blowjobs it's nasty but it's it's so beautifully rendered just um yeah, yeah where did gabriel rodriguez come from his mama. I'm, I, I don't know. The guy <laughs> Chris, is do we so need to explain so the birds and the bees to you? Yes. When a man yeah, loves a woman whole, very the whole much. Thing. <laughs> his father and his mother were in love a lot. They, they were. So much they decided to have a kid. Make a baby. <laughs> Make a baby. No, it's 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 great. It's very very taste, and it, cool. but it's it's tastefully done. There's a lot of disturbing content, but it's it's very tastefully done. Yeah. And uh, I, one thing though, why couldn't Lovecraft be in Rhode Island? I think it's in Massachusetts in this book. I wish it was in Rhode Island because that's where Howard Phillips was from. It would have been a nice nod to him, but that's a little niggly bit that I just can't get enough of so don't don't listen to me i think it's it's a it's a perfect first series 
Intrad- introduces the the possibilities, the characters, and uh, I'm gonna have to backpedal now and go get the other freaking hardcovers because I'm the, a, the I'm a late one. bloomer. Yeah. Thir- the third one just came out, and man, it's 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 one of the few books that I actually double dip on now because I, I love reading it uh, month to month. Um, but the the hardcovers they do such a nice job packaging them, and yep. they got um, ribbons. Yep, they they have ribbons, and if it has a ribbon, it's it's worth picking up. So exactly, no, I I think this is, and I'll be um, uh, since Tom's here, I, I need to yeah. I need to um, speak in hyperbole. I think this is going to be a series that um, really gets looked back on as being you know pretty uh, a pretty important series for for like this this you know era of comics. I think I agree. One that is fondly looked back on. I I like a lot of IDW's output, but I have I have to say. Everything they've done to date pales in comparison with Lock and Key. Lock and Key is the, the grand poobah of IDW. I think it's the I, I uh, I've said it before. Don't compete with your hyperbole, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, really, I, I, I mean, the best book on the shelves. Well, I don't know about that. How about no, that? IDW has a lot of fun comics. They're 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 in the moment books where Transformers. They're really well done. All Hell Megatron is a, is yeah. a hoot and a half, but. Great comics? Uh, I think that's a stretch. That's a stretch. But uh, lock and key, great comics. It will it will stand the test of time, I believe. Hey, Marcus Regina, Lonnie's wife. Um, he asked me to give you a call. He was hoping to talk to you tonight. It's uh, Monday. Um, you can give me a call back. Six 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 six. Or um, Lonnie at six 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 nine six 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 three four three five six or three three nine six 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 five six. That's it. Um, give one of us a call back. Um, he really wanted to talk to you, so I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Speaking of standing the test of time, um, this last oh, someone just took a drink. Mm-hmm. My headphones are so sensitive. That was I, me. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've been spending a lot of time reading um, showcases and essentials the last week. Good, stuff. Sort of Good on you. And um, there's been two that I've been reading that uh, I've just zoomed through. You know, I like reading showcases and essentials, but when I find a really good one, like I can probably tear through it in a week, you know, just like flipping through it and looking through all the art. It's been... Uh, the last two weeks, it's been Enemy Ace nice. uh, Showcase, which is absolutely gorgeous, and uh, Man Thing Volume One. Nice. I've never read any Man Thing before, and I've been reading <laughs> both of those. And uh, both. It's fitting in black and white too. Oh, it's it's awesome. You know, I don't really like Val Merrick's art that much. Ooh. Um, previously, <laughs> before I read Swamp Thing, uh, my only exposure to him was from like the Frankenstein stuff. Yeah, and I never loved his Frankenstein stuff that much. Um, it always seemed more like he drew Frankenstein, like how Frankenstein would look in a cartoon, mm-hmm. while Plug sort of drew Frankenstein like this epic sort of creature that you know was like Behemoth. this true horror, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And Merrick's was a little. I hope I'm saying the name right. His was a little tamer, a little you know, doughy, a little, little doughy, yeah, yeah, a little less like horrific and. A, so you always got that. You always have that thing when you're reading like a showcase or essential because you can go from one issue to the next. If there's multiple artists in it, like I can't help but start to develop like a strong attachment to one of the artists. And then when I flip the page and I'm like, oh, 
it's not the artist that I like. I'm still a little bit disappointed. It's all, it's like years and years of people waiting for the next issue to come out all packed in to one book. And, uh, <laughs> Enemy Ace, you know, you go through all the great Joe Kubert, Kubert art. And you're like, oh, well, it's almost over. And then you get Howard Shaken art. So you're like, oh, but like good old Howard Shaken art. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's face yeah. has got. <laughs> I like this upcoming Catwoman and Batman. No Zipatone. No Zipatone. Yeah, there's no, like, doughy faces. and Yes. Like, people aren't separated from the physics of standing on the floor. <laughs> like, you know, like, the really good early uh, chicken, and very different from Kubert, which is sort of yeah. rare to find in those sort of older books. You know, they kind of, there's a homogenous sort of, I've used that word twice now. But, they, you know, okay. you usually don't see... That that drastic of a change in art, and then once you get through Chicken, you go to John Severn, and it's like whoa! Oh, it's like yeah. Jesus, and with one single uh, Larry Hama story, uh, Larry Hama drawn story, and you're like oh! And it, it's great to read these like really great art comics that are written really well, but also written by people who know how to let the artists yes. sort of do their thing. Do their thing. Yeah. Yep. You know, Kaniger knows that Kubert's good at drawing planes fighting. You know, like, so he's not going to dick around with other stuff. You know, like, make sure, yeah, listen, you have eight pages. There's going to be plenty of airplanes at crazy angles shooting at each other because that's what he's good at, you know? And yeah. Steve Gerber, who's a great writer, you know, great with ideas and plot, also knows when to just let those guys sort of just draw something cool. You know, like, here, draw, um, a, like, a rift in space opening with like a bunch of soldiers and cavemen and, a and barbarians dude, yeah, yeah like driving <laughs> through it like here draw something awesome you know and that's sort of an underrated thing with writing sometimes i feel is that people are really intent on like dialogue or like ideas mm-hmm. and like oh what's the plot but sometimes you know the best thing that a writer can do is just sort of get out of the way of the artist and just let them do the thing that they do really well Oh yeah, mm-hmm. especially whenever you're talking about guys like Severin and 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 Kubert, yeah. it's you know, yeah, what those guys do, what they do. Even though these are showcases, so I mean, I mean, they were Severin and Kubert back then, but I mean, they weren't maybe as revered as they are today. I guess. I think. Well, I think Severin and Kubert were. Yeah. 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 Because- Kubert been working for a while. I mean, oh, yeah. He's still yeah. Trying- 70s. Yeah. I mean, he's been around for. And John Severin's years. like 180 years old now, and, and he does nothing badly. Everything no. I've ever seen that man do was was uh, 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 of a certain yes, yeah. of yeah. outstanding quality. Uh, whether it be a western is, or an uh, an army, uh, you know, or, like a grunt type thing correct. in the in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. is Just, Marie his older sister? Younger, I think. Hmm. I don't know. I, I would hope she's younger. I mean, she's still doing stuff. I, I think she. I think she's. So I see. think she's the older sister. Wow. I remember this talking to Suntress about this, and I think that I think that, that John is the is the younger sibling. Baby John, the Severins don't die, and let's hope they never do, because yeah. uh, two of the most. Uh, superb craftspeople in comics ever. Just a Severin story always makes me smile. Yep. Oh God! How much? And, how many, and how many is, that couldn't be more different, right? Well, there is. You can see a little bit of John and Marie. Oh yeah, I, yeah. But I, if John That's, is, why did I say it that way? I'm sorry. That's just, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but you're the only one that thinks that's dirty. We do, yeah, we know what you meant, dude. It's all right. 
<laughs> and if if I want to see, like like Tom was talking about shaking in physics, everything fits right. There's there's weight. There's there's realism. Whereas when I think of Marie, I, I think of you know like what the or, or not brand that, and it's yes. it's like you know it's it's more in a cartoony or, or not, not even mad. It's more Kurtzman than than anything else. Yeah. Well, it's really weird to look at. It's weird to look at Shaken, you know, like. Uh, oh, yeah. I know it's like what happened. Yeah, because you look at that. Oh. You look at this stuff from like the mid seventies, and I love his American Flag stuff, and I think oh, there's God. there's stuff there's like a sharpness to it, and when you look at the black and white um, enemy A stuff, there's so much black on the page. Like he just yeah. threw on, you know, like everything black. dark. Everything Dude, I've dark. got I've got I've got like Marvel magazines. I've got like Marvel magazines with him doing Star Lord comics. Yeah, what about Iron Wolf? I mean, Chaykin. Iron Wolf is so different. So different. And it's so not harsh in a bad way, but like so many, it's like a sharpness to Mm -hmm. it that, you know, I know it's like a thing where people are like, is it good Chaykin or bad Chaykin now? I, to be honest, like I, everything, everything looks so rounded. You know, like faces. Mm. There's not the sharpness, and there's not like sort of the edge to the stuff that like yeah. he did back, back. You know, in the day with American Flag, and even older than that. And, well, and I, mean, you- I mean, I mean, Flag was really a departure in in style. I think that's where the shaken style that we think of today really developed. But you look, you look back on his early, early stuff, and I was, um, I was kind of doing side by side comparisons between um, Chaykin's, um Star Lord stories in the the uh, the Mar- I forget what Marvel magazine it was, and. Um, uh, Sinkevich's uh, early Moon Knight stuff, and not that different from each other. Um, it was a uh, the Marvel preview presents was the uh, the the chicken stuff that I was looking at. Right. But yeah, like he and Sinkevich, really pretty similar at one point. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the old chicken stuff, it's almost like an ejaculation of panels. There are so many panels per page in Chaykin's yeah. older... Look at um, like Times Squared and, and uh, yeah. American Flag. There's a lot of panel content in that. And then you look at the, the stuff today and it may just be because stories are written differently these days and you know with the whole decompression thing and but if you look at his work on hearts and minds and a lot of the hot girl stuff maybe four or five panels per I just page. to say it's like it's 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 three horizontal panels, but the first panel is somebody standing full body shot in a suit and the same pattern throughout the whole suit. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and it just follows a story or a headshot or something. But yeah, I mean he's got he's he's he has his ticks and and uh not to say that Chaykin is even remotely right. oh, shit. I'm, I'm, I'm an I'm an idiot. I'm it, I'm sorry. It wasn't the Star Wars. It was the Dominic Fortune stuff. Yep. I'm sure the people were screaming at their iPods. That's okay. Dominic Fortune, usual. not Star Lord. But it was from Marvel Preview Presents. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. But it was it's he, he's I'm, and I'm not and maybe he does things because I mean there was a time where uh, when he came back to Marvel after after the Hulk Girl stuff there was I mean he he did all twelve issues of Blade. But then there was, uh, after that, there was, oh crap, the, uh, the world. The Guy Gardner. Well, there was, well, there was, I think that might have been going on before he, he, um, 
that might have been during during the Hulk girls. He might have done that while he was also doing Hulk girl. But yeah, I mean uh, that, that then that two parter came out. Um, but I mean, hey, there but, was there was a time for like almost I think like eighteen months to maybe two years where every month there was a, a Howard Shake and drawn comic book yeah, out. Yeah, I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, I pronounced it Dominic Fortune. <laughs> because because I never thought I, I never connected that this guy's name's Dominic, but Dominic Fortune sounds goofy when you're talking about this pulpy, you know, swashbuckling hero. And I called him Dominic Fortune. And one day I was at the at the comic shop and I said, "Oh, this Dominic Fortune's excellent." And the guy's like, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what did he say?" Dominic. I can't, wait for, I can't wait for him to fight Magneto. And and submariner, <laughs> and then submariner, yeah, yeah. That's so stupid, but I did it. I did it. You're, you're corny. I know. I got I got more stuff I can talk of about. Yes, you do. I do. I got I've got months and months of built up comic book tension. Blue, he's got comic blue balls. I, I will. I'll throw a little tip out to anyone who's en- enjoying that's, artifacts. That's Oh, okay. From Top Power. Cow. If you're digging on artifacts, please do yourself a huge favor and get into the Angelus series. No, see, no. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sticking with artifacts right now. That's, that's. Oh, David, no. <laughs> it, it's by the same groundbreaking creative team that does Witchblade. Well, that's Ron... because I don't think any. Well, I don't know if there's a Top Cow comic book that Ron Mars isn't writing. I, oh well, okay. Phil Hester in the Darkness. I'm sorry. So Phil Hester <laughs> and Mars are, are are the architects of of the Top Guy universe right now. It astounds yep. me continually. Astounds fun. me how Ron Mars is remaking the Top Cow universe in his image. Angelus is great. Uh, it's really freaking solid. Uh, I, without revealing too many spoilers for Witchblade, at the end of War of the Witchblade, remember how Danielle Baptiste was the bearer of the balance for a while and then uh sarah they both had witch blades and it was uh, which one would wield the witch blade well i'll let you in on a little secret danielle baptiste had to give it up and she became the angelus because our buddy um jackie estacado killed celestine the previous angelus so the uh the heaven no, i don't want to say heaven because it's not heaven the the host recognized the fact that danielle wielded the balance so they chose her to be the angelus and it's this eternal struggle between uh light and darkness and uh, that's why the witchblade was created to be the balance between the two but you get danielle moving back down to louisiana to uh, get back in touch with her roots, and she has a girlfriend named Finch, and she's a little bit confused because she's never been uh, had um, lesbian tendencies before, and she was to which she kind of attributes to the fact that the uh, traditionally the Angelus takes was female and took a female companion so she she's thinking well is this the angelus exerting its force over me because that's the that's the twist whenever the angelus chose someone it it would be she would be the patsy she would be pretty much uh unable to exert her own free will whatever the angelus wanted done that's what the character did but danielle retained her free will and she's the wild card now she's sent to 
she has a confrontation with Jackie Estacado, and it's DeAngelis's job to take out the darkness, but she doesn't do it because Jackie's her quote friend. If and if and Jackie could be anybody's friend, and uh, Stepan Sedgwick does the art. Oh, this guy's stuff astounds me. I don't know how he can produce art like this on a on a on the with the the frequency he does. It's un and I know he's digital, and that lends a lot to the expediency of the stuff. He has different brushes. Like if you notice the characters, especially the Witchblade and the Angelus, they have this plating that's kind of. A rep, uh, repeated scales and I know he's doing it with a Photoshop brush just dragging it so what but he has this really razor sharp precision rendering in the foreground but in the background and for things not crucial to the action he'll just go in like a truck driver and just blast it in with this big blocky brush and it looks awesome and you can tell he's doing it lightning fast it just looks great He's 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 a a superb digital painter. I love his stuff and the color. Oh, you need to read this. The darkness is in it. You have ties to Witchblade. You have ties to artifacts. The the Wheel of Shadows is an artifact which is uh makes an appearance in the fourth issue. You know that's going to show up in in the uh the, the artifacts miniseries. There's a uh a worm in the apple, someone working within the host to take Danielle Baptiste out. Uh, you get a three-headed Cerberus, the guardian of hell. You get a trip to hell. There's a character in here that drives a train through hell. He's called the conductor. All he does is he escorts dam the dam to a certain level of hell, just like Dante, uh, Dante's story. And he is freaky, creepy-ass character. It's brilliant, and it's Ron Mars. Can this guy yeah. write a bad comic? Top, Top Cow is doing some nice stuff right now i mean it's, it's uh yeah it's I, sexy i, I think I, it, it's a line that gets discounted by people sometimes but yeah they they go through they go through these phases of writing some really engaging and solid um you know sci-fi fantasy-esque series and, mm -hmm. and artifacts I think Artifacts is going to be a real nice, real nice miniseries. Yeah, and this is a this series is Angelus is a great supplement to Artifacts because yeah. she, Danielle's a player. She she's in the in charge of the light, and that's the mechanics of the Top Cow universe. You need to know who this character is, and I'm sure he'll give you more than you need to know in the Artifacts miniseries, well, maxi series proper. But it doesn't hurt to find out some more about Danielle. Great stuff. Cool. Yep. Tight. Um, yeah. Is it okay if I talk about the series I'd hinted about at oh. the end of last week's? Tom, mm -hmm. tell them. Yes, because people were waiting for it. Yeah. They were. Oh, damn. Okay. No, oh, they were. No, no, no. Jesus. We've got WWF no. David. <laughs> real, real quickly. I decided uh, to to finally sit down and read the uh, the entire Sword series, which was twenty four issues. It's from the Luna Brothers, uh, published by Image Comics, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, um, kind of the the setup for the series is that there is a a girl in her early twenties, uh, art student, loving family, who gets attacked by um, three 
supernatural beings that are looking for something, which uh, turns out to be a mystical sword that uh, that her father had been kind of the protector of, and mm-hmm. uh, she uh, she uh, finds this sword and uh, uh, discovers the powers that it has, and uh, you know, so I, I'm not going to give a ton away about this because I, you know, I I, th- I hope that the people that haven't read it will check it out. But uh, uh, she finds uh, finds out some of the the powers that the sword will uh, will uh, grant her. She kind of turns into um, you know, kind of a uh, Kind of a you know, badass uh, uh, sword wielder with uh, you know throwing cars around and able to leap tall buildings in a in a single bound kind of thing, but uh, but her whole uh, deal is that she wants to hunt down the people that killed her family, and there are a couple people that that get wrapped up in the story as she um, is now on the run from um, the government and and. Uh, the police and and trying to find uh, find the, the people that murdered the family, and and so that's all this fun adventure story. But at about the halfway point of the series, uh, I, I I realized that it was really more of a character story of um, learning about not just her and her family and her father's history, but also the history of the people that she. Uh, is hunting down, and this this turns into like this you know historical mythological story that goes back like four thousand years and the the history of the formation of the sword and how it um, uh, is is a part of the history of of the people that killed her family and how her father uh, is involved throughout the history of the sword and it's also the interaction between her and these two kind of companions that that she's that she's with but uh, um, you know by the, by the end of it it told a complete story it was beginning middle end you you saw a great character arc in in both Dara, the the main character, and the supporting cast, there's some some great twists along the way. Uh, some people that uh, end up not being what uh, what you would uh, uh, guess that that they they really were. Uh, I, I liked it. It's uh, the Luna Brothers. Their their stuff. Um, I think reads um, for me anyway. Uh, it reads better in chunks, even yeah. though each issue very much had a cliffhanger at the end of each issue they they do have a nice snack for the cliffhanger uh i think it works just fine as a chapter in in a bigger book um so i i actually like sitting down for a couple days and reading the whole series but uh the sword if you like girls um i think that you'll like like the sword yeah and i'm I'm looking (laughs) forward to it what they do next but yeah the the sword by the luna brothers was uh, was a lot of fun. Is it uh, was it groundbreaking? Is it going to be looked back on as one of the you know uh, pinnacle stories of the last decade? No. Um, but it I, was enjoyable. Yes. I I was mm-hmm. entertained. Um, I, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I I liked I liked every every chapter of it. Um, you know, I was talking to the other around comics guy um, Sal, who I always misquote. But uh, uh, when we were talking, when, when we were talking about it, um, it paraphrasing, he kind of described uh, the Luna Brothers stories as like really good sci-fi channel series. You know, it's is uh, there such a thing? <laughs> uh, sure, sure. I mean, there, there's there some, there's there, there's One. some stuff that, that'll pop up on Sci-Fi Channel that um, you know 
maybe not the biggest budget, but um, entertaining and, and fun concepts. And I think the Luna yeah. Brothers are, are good at doing that. Uh, it takes a little bit to get used to their artwork if you're not accustomed to them, but um, they're I wish incre- there they're there incre- was more incredibly consistent in in their style. Yeah, but I I wish there was more variation to the line. Yeah, yeah. We, it, if they did, if they had paid a little more attention to the thick and thin, and instead of just laying down this static, continuous, uh, I mean, the, the width of the line almost never changes. That's it, it's kind of I don't want. It's not boring. It's just uneventful. It's not. It's not there's, real there's no variation. Yeah, yeah. it's not real flashy. I, they try and get cinematic with some Photoshop stuff of doing a lot of you know um, blurred backgrounds and you know yeah. trying to uh, showing like you know different uh, different camera effects. Um, like the, the I, I, funeral I for their style. For, for their style, it works. For the one scene, I think it's in the third issue with the funeral, and she manifests the sword, and she cuts the guys uh the one gets cut in half the ones get his face and the, the the head gets lopped off the other in the in the top panel and then in the next panel they blur out the foreground and it's the guy the top of the guy's head about yeah. three inches away from his ears and then she cut the other one right across the mouth so you see this huge gaping wound and teeth sticking out of it and it's it's all i mean there's a soft blur on it and she's razor sharp that's a neat panel yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. I a mean, lot. they yeah. they have some nice layout techniques, but uh, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a series that I think once again reads better in trade. Uh, it, it found itself at about you know the sixth issue or so after the after the setup, and then it really um, has this this nice uh, this nice flow to it that that gets you all the way to the end and the last probably the last two or three issues um, really build up to a big climax and uh, yeah you know kind of what I said earlier what I, what I like most about it I'm really into stories that have a beginning middle end. And maybe that's just where I am as a comic book reader right now. I like sitting down and reading a story that is done at the end. Well, in your case, if you read a trade, can you remember what happened at the beginning by the time you get to the end? Or you know, Tom, you and, to, and, and I know that I know you're being a smartass, um, <laughs> but but in 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 the case of um, uh, series Whose house that, is this? Why, why am I here? <laughs> in, in, the case of, in, the, in, in the case of of uh, endlessly continuing uh, comic series, no. Sometimes it gets real hard to uh, to keep track of of um, not even one trade to the next, but what happens from the beginning of a trade to the end. But uh, the the sword. Yeah, I, my recollection on that, I I think, is going to be pretty good because it it really was a complete story and it was not overly complicated in what it was trying to do. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was uh, uh, simple enough for for this old man's uh, sieve of a mind to uh, to keep track of. So yeah, I I dug it. Neat. We'll test you later for your retention. Yeah, I may not remember names, but I can remember, you know, major plot points. That's And now there was a sword. And then there was a sword. <laughs> well, then you have the Antichrist, which is Tom, who remembers everything. Seemingly. I wish I could yeah. forget some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some Zero stuff. hour, damn you. I yeah, oh yeah. That that was when I was in the middle of my back pain medication. I was like, I'm gonna zero hour 
Dave, you, Dave, you're breaking up. Wow, that that's a that's oh. a that's a change. Ooh, it's a switch. Did you, did, you, did you send Dave your uh, Dave? Dave. <laughs> <laughs> did you send David your uh, your headset, Vince? Uh, yeah, that's what I did. I want to talk manga. Well, Tom was going to talk about something. Oh, he was. I was Go ahead, gonna, Tom. I, I was going to ask Vince about manga. Do it, <laughs> Vince. What, uh, manga? Question mark. <laughs> There was a preview of this series in uh, yes. Shonen Jump a couple issues ago, and I enjoyed it immensely. It's from the creative team that brought you Death Note. Wow. Yes. Sugumi Oba, I think his name is. Sugumi Oba story. Takeshi Obata art. And oh, I, love Death, I love Death Note, so I thought, let me take a chance on this. I didn't read it because I bought it today. It's the first volume published this week, I think, or last week, of Bakuman, not Bakugan, which is a totally different thing. It's Bakuman. It's about these two high school kids who love to create manga. You got one that loves to draw, the other loves to write, so they, they pool their resources and they have, uh, they want to create manga. And the book is as far removed, I think, from Death Note as you can get. It's about the process of making comics. It's really neat. The, the, the child that draws had an uncle who was a, a, a manga artist and he, he passed away. So they go to his studio and because he wasn't a top tier manga artist, he was more of like a gag artist, a one or two panel gag artist. He was looked upon as a lazy man. And when, when they're rooting through his, uh, studio they find boxes and boxes of rough drafts and layouts and storyboards and potential story ideas just literally stacks and stacks of boxes of of these ideas on paper and they they along the way they sort of get a different opinion of this man that he wasn't a lazy person he, every time the kid remembers that every time he saw his uncle he was chained to the drawing table just kicking out comics constantly and uh he i guess as i said i haven't read it but I, i'm guessing he becomes the inspiration for the child to produce and it's there's T-squares and illustration board in this thing, and it's just about the the process of making comics. I'm I'm hoping for good things. That that is very interesting to me, to see how other cultures look upon making sequential art. I was gonna say the Japanese probably have a very poetic and very horrifying term for lazy man. <laughs> Yeah, like the translation sure was, probably doesn't capture the true majesty of what I'm sure it is. they do. <laughs> what it, it is to be just a you know a two panel artist. But it gets it gets into uh, dot screens and starburst effects and techniques of drawing. It's I'm hoping it's I would assume that something like this would be kind of dry. But it doesn't doesn't look. It looks very lively. There's there are panel roughs and page roughs on one page, and the, the kids are talking about it. And I guess the uncle would get uh, comps for drawing different characters, and he had a, a room full of action figures, and they're they're still in the in the on the card. And the kids walk in, and the one the the writer uh, child who never encountered this before was just amazed at these rows and rows of action figures still in the packages. It, I mean, this is like uh, comic nerd heaven. 
when when you really think about it, it's it's all about making the things that we we love. I'm I'm I can't wait to read this. It's so called you like, Bakuman. You like reading about pro? You like artists doing stuff about the process? Yes, because I. I draw pictures myself, and uh, any any tips you can get for free on how to do your uh, ah. hone your hone your craft, you know. <laughs> people the, who charge for this shit. There's the practical side. There's the practical side of Vince. Yes, and there's, there's I guess there's a there's a love story in here too. You know the the, the teenage crush. Yeah. But you need that stuff. Uh, it looks really neat. Bakuman Volume One released uh, either this week or last week from uh, Shonen Jump. Get it. It's nine ninety nine. 200 and some pages. Yeah, manga's great. Manga's I, just another word for comics. Yeah, I, I haven't had a, a, a lot of experience with manga. I have read like the, what was it, the, uh, there was the Project X series that they had about mm. like uh, um, ramen noodles and like uh, yeah. 7-Elevens where it was talking about the history uh, of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those were awesome. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, uh, very mundane things in your life uh, right. often have extremely fascinating backstories to them. And the way they were told was like the excitement of figuring out instant ramen. You know, it was the public, you know, like the moment in uh, 7 Eleven when they figured that you'd have two sides on a cooler so you could restock from the back without having to restock from the front. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a crisis level event. The skies turn red. And everything, you know, the seas part, and finally there's clarity as they figured out, you know, how to how to do those things. I always thought that they were really cool. And someday when I've caught up with all the stuff, all the stuff I currently have, I plan on I plan on uh, reading some more manga. You know, my I'm I, I'm not a I have nothing against manga. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. There there are manga stories about cooking, uh, about the Golf. game g- go. The, the game the board game go I mean volume upon volume of nothing more than you know tournaments of this game but it's it's more about the characters than the game listen to this manga is the pride of our Japanese culture we can become famous through it worldwide and the uh, the the artist character says it's impossible to make it as a manga artist the only people who truly do are geniuses born with that kind of talent the others are nothing more than gamblers gamblers a professional manga artist makes his living purely through drawing manga his whole life even if you succeed publishing a series for a weekly magazine your manga is ranked according to the reader questionnaires if it isn't popular enough it gets cut in 10 weeks and so on this seems really cool and there's a there's a a video game uh thread that goes through here and uh, it's japanese culture i can't wait to read it 10 weeks Beautifully drawn. Ten weeks is about the right amount of time. It's Don't true. You think? Ten weeks to to know if you're going to make it or break it. <laughs> Maybe on that side of the cut of the world, I don't yeah. know. I well, I mean, I don't here. They well, get less uh, here. Yeah, you, less? your book hasn't even come out yet. By the time, yeah, people are bitching about it. I got it. Sucks. Wouldn't it be neat if DC and Marvel put reader questionnaires in every one of their comics? Did you like this story? What would you have changed? What would you like to see? That would be neat. And I'm sure Batman the people solve enough crimes. <laughs> I want to see Batman in a flying toilet. All right, we'll do. <laughs> All right, the, they just randomly pick one out. It shall be done. It shall be done. You shall get to do this. <laughs> we will have. We were uh, Morrison was already writing that. 
Wow, that's that's Grant. That's the Grant we love. That explains. Have, have you been reading the uh, the uh, Return of uh, Bruce Bruce Wayne? I read the first three. Yeah, I I love them. I, I you do them quite a bit. I've I, you know I have been up and down on Morrison's Batman, but I've gone back mm-hmm. and I've read the the whole thing now, and I, I love it. I love the totality of it. I think it's awesome. It, when you look at uh, as a whole piece of work, I'm, uh, I, th- I look at it and I think, wow, that's you know that's a big chunk of Batman. That. But would you expect any play, less though? And playing with some interesting and fun concepts. Right. Well, I mean, with Batman, the thing is, is that he's one of those characters that uh, everyone kind of you know they have their shot at it. Mm-hmm. Kind of do your thing, and you know, like, oh, we'll have Batman do this and Batman do that. But I mean, it, in the totality of how many Batman books have come out, and there are tons of Batman books. Oh yeah. I mean, every month, you know, tons and tons of Batman, and I'm, I'm sure everyone who writes a Batman book or you know, best effort, best foot forward. But I mean, the character is one of those characters who ultimately will wash over most of the stuff that's written about them. They're bigger than the stuff that, that's been written. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always gonna they're just gonna always sort of um, wipe everything clean and slowly over time all those little bits and pieces will start to The core the core coalesce. of the character will always come to the top. Yeah, and over years those little pieces from different things all sort of you know, like a planet forming out of dust. You know, Batman sort of coalesces out of all these little bits and pieces from everything, and you so you get sort of like a Frankenstein Batman from all these different writers. And the thing I really like about what Morrison did in reading the whole thing is, and what I've always enjoyed about Morrison's writing is just embracing that nature of it. That Batman is just all these characters are just these strange Frankenstein creatures. They're just mm-hmm weird disparate pieces from all kinds of different writers and while the urge for most people is to you know forget most of everything that's happened you know like pretend batman you know never uh you know never met aliens you know instead just embrace it and make it part of the whole story and and in that sense and having damien and having uh, all these things gone. It just it feels sort of like a big embracing of the overall Batman, like the bigger idea of what Batman is. And I've I've really enjoyed reading that. Are you um Are you reading the what are they called Time Chasers? It's the it's the uh, the know. Booster Superman Rip Green Hunter. Lantern Rip Hunter thing. No, not <laughs> reading that. <laughs> I I would have I would have guessed that you were reading that. No, uh, like a six issue miniseries for like three ninety nine a piece, you know. Yeah, you get the trade. Like I get yeah. the tra- if I hear it's good, I'll get the trade. Yeah, it's yeah. one. I'm sure. I haven't tried it out recovering. because I, well, I know it ties into the whole return of of Bruce Wayne stuff because they they show up there repeatedly. Oh yeah, of course. But I mean, if I hear it's good, I'm sure it's not affecting what Morrison's gonna do. No. I'm sure he's not waiting to hear how. Uh, time master sends so you can write the end of you know the end of the return of Bruce Wayne. Uh, I, I, it's true. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know that's uh, I've really been enjoying. You zero hour. You don't, you don't think Morse gonna pull a JMS? No. Oh, no. Mm. 
Oh. I don't think yeah, he has it, it in him. I screwed up my story. No, I think he, uh, don't give me story he would just soldier forward, even if something did happen. I, and speaking of JMS, yeah, sure. Look at Final Crisis. JMS. Been, yeah, I've been reading, uh, read some of his Thor stuff, and uh, I, I've uh, been reading a little bit of his Superman stuff. Ooh, which is the strong. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say, yay and ooh. ooh. Oh, it's the he's good at writing Thor because. Thor speaks with a sincerity that, you know, is not common in the world. And so it works, but Superman probably shouldn't talk the same way. <laughs> and, 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 I really, I really like his Wonder Woman, though. I haven't tried it yet. It's good. I really am enjoying it. Hey, 11 o'clock, this is Ralph. I just got the third part of the Grim Hunt in my hand. And all I can say is, oh, wow. It's like amazing. I mean, Craven Last Hunt is classic, but this is definitely very, very good. Oh man, I'm just so glad they're doing it right. Like, I bought Showcase Presents Wonder Woman Volume One because I saw it at the uh, comic shop and I knew that it was out of print through Amazon. <laughs> I knew that someday. Be, <laughs> sell that sucker for 50 bucks. I was going to yeah. say, you can get that back surgery. With that. Yeah, I know. I can get myself a brand new back. With the, the, I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. Uh, Wonder, Woman, Wonder Woman Volume 1. Go for it. Uh, it it's sitting right next to uh, my Adam Strange showcase. But uh, you know, I have no plans. I'm like, uh, you know, someday I'm probably going to want to read it because... I know Kaniger wrote it, so I know it's probably sort of batshit insane. Yeah. So, are, any of the, uh, are any of the mod era stories in that volume, uh, or is that there? No, that's it's all Kaniger and uh, Andrew and Esposito. Okay. Apparently, there's a story in there Ooh. where a, um, a scientist builds a robot of Wonder Woman. <laughs> Here we go. That the robot is better. They have a contest, but the contest is like who can last longest without sleep. Which seems like the lamest possible contest you could have. It's you know robot. This should have been about. Should have been about you know fixing a car, something real man with you know. So the, yeah, like, like, like hooking or vacuuming, then yeah, Wonder Woman would win. Something to interest it, but it, uh, in, I've heard Vince talking about how he doesn't have any interest in Wonder Woman, and I've, I've been sort of thinking about Wonder Woman, um, not in a sexual way. And like, yeah, of course Vince not. Thinks of uh, Sue Storm. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> no. Not, <laughs> I had that scared out of me um, you know thinking about a character like Wonder Woman we were talking about earlier about um, uh, wackiness in universes you know as much as people sort of love the George Perez Wonder Woman uh, there's always a part of me that's going to think that Crisis sort of just ruined her in a way Why? not that she was great afterwards but is what's going is her history afterwards that much more awesome and no. make more sense than what no it's and, not you know, it and it, sense until Burn came on board and it's there's <laughs> <laughs> there's all kinds of there's all oh kinds she's of, fighting Sinestro no it's not Sinestro <laughs> it's Doomsday uh, no it's not Doomsday <laughs> it's crazy but that at least it was fun though true. I do. I do like the burn. The the just the the uh, willy nilly aspect of the burn run. Just the I flash like, like shows up one get, issue. I, I, I like it how was, I didn't get to see a lot of the burn arc because he was lettering it himself. 
Yeah, yeah <laughs> but it, it was like Wonder Woman team up. Everybody showed up in that run. It's true. Well, had, so it was Wonder Woman. Wonder she's Woman's not, universe. She's not going to sell the book herself. Wonder Woman's yeah, universe is is insane. Oh it's, yeah, it's a crazy world, you know. And I, I it's I, it was one of those things where I don't think making it more serious helped in the long run. It probably has helped at the beginning. Has there been any character that has been revamped more often or has had Hawkman supporting characters? No, but I mean, even even Hawkman's pretty much. I'm not going to say state. He's always visually looked the same, but they always changed his origin. But he's always been like Hawkman Except and Hawkgirl. And with Wonder Woman, it's like we're going yeah. to, you know, I, they gave it, they took away her powers in, in, in the 70s. And then it, they, they, they made it an strong. Earth she can fly. She can, and, and, and then there was, there were some differences with Earth too, and and then Ed Potter had some fun with it, and then Burn threw some supporting casts in there, and 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 then when uh, it was relaunched with Heinberg, it's like okay, well, she's without her power, so we're going to make her a secret agent of something, and they just they always tried to do something, and I yeah. If she was if she was actually a clay, her our her generation would be a giant kiln. They're going. They're going to make me. You said this on Twitter. Twitter true. true. Kaniger spends spends a lot of time pondering golf going machine and stay on target. No, he does. You're all you're all fuzzy, Vince. You were breaking up, but it was awesome. I was thinking it. I I understood. Death Star will be in range in. No, I mean. I think part of it is that uh, formatively, you know, Kaniger did write it for a really long time. Whereas with a lot of other characters that had people work on it for a really long time, the people after it really embraced that sort of whatever those people did. You know, they really embraced um, Lee and Ditko Spider Man. You know, like there wasn't some sort of urge to like be like, oh, you know, let's get away from that or. You know, John Broom and Carmine Infantino's Flash, or any of those characters that have been around for a long time. Wonder Woman's always sort of had this weird history where it's, it's no one wants to embrace any of the stuff that's happened. Like they, they want to start, they want to to just start from scratch, but you can't. No, that's what I. Okay, so so if you talk about Spider-Man, for example, and and how you know Lee Lee and Ditko and Lee and Ramita and everybody, everybody who spent time. On the character have kind of have have left their mark. I mean, everybody you can kind of remember stories that, of course, Lee and Dicko told, and Ramita from from Rita Zeniors and from Ramita Junior's eras, and you know, Dale Kane and 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 Morbius and and Andrew and the Punisher and and so and friends, the Black Suit or even the Hobgoblins. Every Every creative team that's worked on Spider-Man, there's a story that you can remember. And I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, I, I'll mock or make fun of, of the Burn run, but I, I read very little of it. I started it, and it lost interest very quickly. But Mesner Lobes and Andy Adato and Phil Jimenez, and these are some star creators. I mean, I, I have a couple of the trades of the Rucker run, and I enjoyed that. But there have been creators and, and some and, – and no 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 schlubs. I mean, some, some pretty – Great creators have worked on Wonder Woman, but have there been any real strong standout stories that they have told? Like, does anybody? I mean, what? What's? What's? Uh, I remember some of the Bolin covers where Wonder Woman's working at a fast food joint. Uh, was that the Mesh Lobron? Was that 
I, I just yeah. I, think I don't know part of any it, great though, Wonder Woman stories from, from from the past like ten fifteen years. But I think part of it though too is uh, aside from whether um, you know any of the old Wonder Woman stuff's great or whether it deserves to be thought of fondly. I think part of why people you people look back and say, "Oh, the Lee Dicko stuff is great," is because it's great, but also because everything afterwards embrace that and built on right, it. Right. So someone who comes into Spider-Man now is like, oh, I really like this Spider-Man story. Let me look up, you know, what I like about Sp- oh, oh, Lee and Dicko and everyone seems to enjoy it. Or if someone really enjoys The Flash, they can go, oh, you know, you can get these, the Chronicles and the Broom and Infantino. Or if you like Superman, you can go back and, and, and get this, you know, the Silver Age Superman, which I guess is a different case because they did sort of switch it up. But Wonder Woman, it's like, if you did like any of those in- individual pieces, there's nothing in the past yeah. that uh, that you would be like, oh, if you like this, you'll also like this in the past. If anything, if you liked what was happening then, you probably would not like what happened in the past <laughs> because it was, you know, like, oh, here's an egg foo story since you enjoyed that George Perez story so much. You know? And there's a little bit of that with Superman, too, but Superman sort of had, I think, a more graceful transition and... Than one woman who's kind Superman of Superman had. A, I mean, once once you had. I mean, once we got out of the Silver Age and 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 more capped off that era, and then Byrne came in to do what he wanted to do. Even though Burns Run wasn't, Burns Run was only a couple of years, and there were some there were some funky stories, and, and he built a, a really good foundation. But I think what really really helped Superman was that not even the, the every week there was a Superman comic but you had Stern and Simonson and Bogdanov and, and Jurgens and Wolfman for a little while but you had some again really great creators working on Superman yeah but it was it was like Tom said Crisis killed Wonder Woman yeah but, but it really Superman really benefited from Crisis yes what Byrne did cannot be understated. Byrne, Byrne made Superman a contender. And before, Superman was always, yeah, it's Superman's great, but the stories were never really... They you were never, you, you never Right, you never had that episodic nature to Superman. There was the wacky Silver Age right. stuff. But yeah. Superman, Byrne took a look... Well, I, I'm not. let's not all flop it on Byrne. I'm sure editorial had a big hand in it. They took a look around and said, why isn't Superman working? Well, because it's so very different from what they're doing over here with with Spider-Man or even Batman was episodic that each issue kind of streamed into the next one yeah. towards towards crisis they just brought Superman into into the modern day and it was brilliant but what what can you bring from Wonder Woman into the modern day how uh, yeah how would it work well yeah i mean like the burn thing was i mean i guess if you want to strictly like a continuity yeah it was like a new start but burn just really added modern tweaks to sort of the structure of Superman. And he did a great job. And yeah. whenever I hear people now, when they complain about the modern Superman being too Silver age I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> listen. Bert, the Superman now is so completely different from the Silver Age Superman and the pre-crisis Superman because of Burn and what they did at that time. You know, the, you, you cannot properly understand unless you've read a lot of those pre-crisis stories how different Superman was after Byrne got his hands on it. And Byrne did a great job, but it, it is different from Wonder Woman in that like, they kind of just tossed everything kind of aside in a weird way. And 
they kind of kept some stuff, but they, I mean, it was, it was so, it, it's so weird, you know, and I've been thinking about Wonder Woman's history, and I've been thinking about um, when I've been reading Return of Bruce Wayne about Crisis and how, um, you know, I, I read it every summer. It's one of my favorite things to do in the summer, and I think about it, it kind of failed, and it, it was like a big experiment, and it's, the way it failed is kind of how events have kind of failed. Like the the multiverse is back. Even before the multiverse is back, though, you know what are your signature great DC stories? You know you have the Dark Knight. You have uh, people love Kingdom Come. You know I'm not a huge Kingdom Come fan, but people love it. The idea that um, Crisis would always wipe would you know wipe away any like alternate worlds and there'd be strict continuity and everything would make sense was never going to happen. You know, because comic books don't work that way. You know, comic books are never going to have that tightness to them. And, uh, you know, I, that's what I think about when I sit on my back porch. And <laughs> drinking coffee. <laughs> looking at the so, yeah, I know. Isn't it? It's sad. It's a, like a weird, sad existence that I so have. So they, they brought the, the, the multiverse back, which yeah. one would hope would give them license to create all the wacky, off-kilter characters yeah. and, and situations they want. What are they doing with it? They're waiting for Morrison. I, I mean, I like Morrison. I want to read Morrison stuff. But, I mean, kind of don't sit around and wait for Morrison to write all the multi. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. let some uh, other people get a hold of some of You know, does Morrison have to do all the multiverse stuff? Because I, I, I want to read some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, oh, if Steve Gerber was only alive today. Yeah. There, he could do crazy stuff. It's a license to do crazy stuff. Yeah, it is. It's very true. License to fail because you can just be like, "Oh, it's not in continuity." <laughs> and what I was saying when I got all all Davros is, you yeah. mentioned this on Twitter when you said Kaniger spends a lot of time examining that gulf between what it is to be a machine and what it is to be human. He he yeah. he ponders that a lot in in his work, and uh, that's what I said. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean GI robot. Yeah. All of his GI robot stories, they're always there's this soldier who's confused by this robot who seems to have a will of his own. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the tension in the story. But I've I I could probably spend an, an entire episode talking about Robert Kaniger. So I should probably just do a Robert Kaniger. Tom versus Robert Kaniger. There you go. Versus, he would win. He would <laughs> oh, win. He'd he would cr- from the graves. Crush you like a bug. I know. He, <laughs> Yeah, you would just rise up and destroy me via via enemy ace. Like the end of Carrie. Yep. Oh, it wouldn't end <laughs> well for me. <laughs> All right. Any last words? Nice. No, I, like oh. I, I, I miss you, Tom. Oh, well, I miss you too, Chris. <laughs> it was, it was, so sincere. Nothing ever sent. That was awkward. I'm the worst. I never sound sincere when I say anything. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. oh, so it, it was good. To, good. To, this is probably the longest conversation we've had since you moved. I know. Oh. I feel like I really sort of just steamrolled in. No, it was great. It was awesome. We needed you. That's that's the caters way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, and and Tom's feigned yeah. sincerity has been brought to you this week by Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com, where you can get all your favorite funny books and collectibles at huge Wamba discounts, 35 to 75% off. Enter the code EOC8 in the slot, and it will make you very happy because you will get an extra 5% off your already significant discounts in your travels 
big, big, big favor to yourself. Read One Piece. I cannot stress this more. Read One Piece and read all of it. And if you have a little, if you have some money left over, read Angelus. It's very good. There you go. How many volumes is One Piece? Fifty. Oh, yes. crap! Wait for yeah. the click that omnibus. Yeah. Um, in your travels, uh, if that if that travel includes uh, Chicago this weekend, uh, come on out. If you are going to the Wizard World uh, Chicago Comic Con, uh, I'm gonna head out there. I think Saturday late morning and be out there for for a couple hours. Um, swing by Sal's booth because he's gonna be set up with the uh, Fanboy Scout badges. Yay! Yay. And, uh, Scout Master Salazar. Yep, check out Master uh, Scout Master uh, Salazar and uh, pick up some uh, some Fanboy Scout merit badges and uh, and chit chat with him. I have a very special merit badge. I can't tell you how I got it yet. Oh. I'm the only one with it. Okay, it's an <laughs> yeah, <laughs> restraining order badge. Yeah, yes. really. Um, Dude, get the fuck out of my yard badge. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and in honor of uh, Tom, I will say. Yeah. Uh, um, Read the uh, showcase presents the haunted tank. Oh yes, yes, do that. That's good stuff. Bird's eye view of continuity and the uh, state of the uh, what? What do I want to say? State of the art of creating comics back in the Bronze Age. You you can't get that kind of glimpse without a showcase or an essential. It's wonderful. In addition to all the great stories and art, you get to see huge chunks of time for like, what, 19 bucks at a discount? Even cheaper. There you go. They you are. can see all the missteps and all the successes. Warts and all. That, that's, uh, you can't yeah. buy that kind of that's education. How the, that's how that stuff was built. Yep. As much mistakes as successes. That's how, the, that's how all, those, all that crazy continuity happens. Uh, one of the, well, I'm only going to do one. I'm going to keep it old school like we used to do. Mm, yeah. Uh, I'm going to keep I kept it to one. I just so catty. Uh, he he yeah. is so catty. Oh, unbelievable. You had, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's my body that keeps me here. The, <laughs> the, the, the one, all right, I'll talk about one next week. That was one of the two that I was going to do, but I really want to do one. And I'm going to tell you to spend two bucks and pick up the man with the getaway face. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. It's oversized. Extra large for her it's pleasure. Beauteous. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous. I'll maybe I'll love talk it. about it next week. Do that. I will do it, too. How about that? Okay, then. We'll go. tag team. High five. We have something, <laughs> something very special for you on this little outro. Pay attention. This is Antihero. Our buddy does Tom get to ask? He know. does, but I just want to. I want to prep no. them. You do. I'm sorry, Tom. You go. I'll prep them sorry. when you're done. Uh, Staff. Yeah. Get a get a central uh, monster Frankenstein. If you ever see the that, if you want to see, power. yeah, if you want to see how missteps and successes. That book is crazy. You ever wanted a fur vest? Yeah, it's like, are you Frankenstein or one of the members of Slade? (laughs) (laughs) That book is some of the craziest leaps of just like, of oh wait, a hundred years just passed. Oh, Frankenstein just got frozen. (laughs) Spider Man. (laughs) Yeah, but let's talk about the art. Uh, uh, Sal Basima, John Basima, Plug, uh, who else was on that? Um, Like you said, Valmeric, I think did a couple of those, right? 
Uh, yeah, Val Merrick. A lot of Doug Munch writing, Gary Friedrich. Uh, oh. Yeah, you got it. Great stuff. You got most of the artists. Yeah. There's a few here and there, but those are the major ones. And you you just listen to Tom, and while you're listening to Tom, listen to this. David, give them the Earl to our wonderful forum. Bullpenbulletinspodcast.com slash forum. And now you can use your 11oclockcomics.com URL. Yay! We have, a, we have a chat room now. How about that? <gasps> and we have a chat room. Bullpenbulletinspodcast.com slash 1111-O-chat. And <laughs> I get in, it. In, in the near future, you will... Uh, like we did a couple, like we did, what was it, for episode 100, where yeah. it was kind of reading along with the form and, and filling them in on what we were talking about. I'm sure we will have another episode going simultaneously with, with a, um, yeah. with a maybe, chat. Maybe next time we'll get something live going for, for when one, do we get, one fitty. We'll try. We'll try. When yeah. do we get webcams? Ooh, nobody wants oh, to look at us. Yeah. When do we, we get tried. an 11 o'clock and signature I, scent? And we... <laughs> The crotch scent of eleven o'clock comics. <laughs> crotch and old comics. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll try to collect the air from the next time we're all together at a convention. <laughs> hey, I heard there's like a bed bug infestation in New York. We gotta yeah. watch that shit. Yeah. It's gonna be it's nasty. Who's gonna be gonna be on watch duty? <laughs> I'll, I'll be in the would, bathtub sleeping, so it won't matter to me. I would say in this case, the bed bugs should watch out for you. I think they might catch <laughs> something from you guys. I'd be more worried for them. Uh, okay, this is something special. As I, David said, our forum. This dude, Johnny the Homicidal Drummer, Jonathan Westhoff, is oh, yeah. the drummer for Antihero. And this is Antihero. It's a song called Gamma Ray Explosion. It's really cool. There is a scream in this song that will liquefy your testicles if, if you have them. If you don't have them, and if you ever plan on bearing children sometime, don't listen to this song. You, I'm warning you. This scream is so good. Just listen to it. And oh, shit. Yeah. Right now? No. Well, you won't be able to hear it. Uh, And join us next week. We'll be back. We always do come back. We're like the herpes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the boy, the boy will be back. Maybe we'll be on time. It depends. The boy will be back next week. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Very true. Arrested and all bright-eyed. Hopefully. No, miss he him. says an eleven o'clock comics infestation. Maybe he'll maybe he'll arrest (laughs) stuff. Thank you, Tom. Yes, Tom. Thank you very much. You're very always, welcome. Always a stinking pleasure to have you here. I'm glad I could. You it. always <laughs> make me rethink my decision way back when. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can, you, you, you can get to experience me like sharing the weird thoughts I only have by myself all day by myself inside my apartment with my injured back as I look out the window, which is mostly just about my old comics. Crying like where, the Sicilian where, where Indian. Can they, where can you find you, Tom, online? What's your online presence? What's your podcast? Uh, Tom versus the Flash. You can find it on iTunes. You can go to tomversusflash.blogspot.com. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash tomcaters. I write a column for iFanboy. I was on iFanboy this past week. Oh, really? Yeah, you're everywhere. I, I'm, I'm, I didn't. I did not duplicate anything, though. I think. I mean, oh, okay. So yeah. listen to find out. Yeah, I bring fresh shit, <laughs> new material. Whatever I go anywhere, riggedy fresh. Okay, you're half right. And leave Tom and us a review, an iTunes review. We'd be very appreciative yeah, if you did. 
so keep it to like at least four stars, please. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back <laughs> next week. We love you so much. We can't even stand it. Say bye bye. Well, I'm evinced us. I love everyone. I do. David and I. I don't no, know. don't lump yeah. David in there. David has a big old soft heart. I love. I love all of you. Weekly. I love you too. too. What are you doing? You're going off. On, what, what did I go off on? Say you bye. Off on all sorts of shit. Say bye. Right. But not the comics, though. The comics I love. Oh, you everybody love the else, comics? Everybody yeah. else can go. Yeah. 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 You love you all. We, we, we love you. Bye. See ya. Bye bye. Take it away, anti hero. Mutations 